Hi, and welcome to episode 219 of No Crying in Baseball, the origin story episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. How are you doing? And, and belated Merry Christmas. We're, we're recording a, a day after, right? That's right. We're coming to you from Boxing Day, and, and Potty Mouth is coming to you from farther away than usual. I'm in Massachusetts. I'm in my, well, not my hometown, but where my dad lives now and feeling all those Massachusetts vibes around. I mean, you have to walk around my dad's uh, home to understand what you can guess. There's like the Red Sox pillow and the Red Sox uh, throw and the Red Sox plaque and the glove. And yeah, there's, it's it's a comfortable, fun place for me to be. <laughs> I have, in fact, walked around that house and it, yeah. is, it is a fun place to be for sure. It's lovely. How about you? How were your holidays? They were weird. They were good, but we had yet another COVID scare close to home. So mm -hmm. our plans changed on Christmas Day even. So that Christmas Day itself turned out differently than we had thought when we woke up that morning, but it was still, wow. it was still lovely. And it's Boxing Day now and we're recovering nicely. And I'm a little sleepy, so I've gone with the Silver Branch Vanilla Latte Chronicle. So I get some coffee in my adult beverage because I figured That's that will help plan. perk me up. That's a good plan. I, I'm I'm very happy that my dad had the wherewithal to get me a Boston Red Sox koozie as a gift. Um, of course, it's for my sodas, but right now I have a beer in it. What kind and of beer? It is, it is imported from Maryland. <laughs> Did you it's, really bring beer from Maryland? Yes, we brought beer down and I'm feeling really shitty about that now. Like I should be having a Boston beer. And I, I went and looked up, there's two breweries like within reasonable distance from this house and that might be happening after the podcast, we might have to do a drive-by pickup, but I'm drinking Dundalk Calling, which is a double IPA, which is exactly what I need for the podcast from Key Brewing Company. Oh, I've had that. It's yummy. It is. It's very good. We got a mixed pack from the co-op, so we got a little bit of different stuff. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, on today's show, we've got the latest on the lockout. We have our boyfriend picks for the Royals and the Marlins, which was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be because, you know, what do I know? Um, women in baseball. In our police blotter, I get to say the words antitrust and unicorn in the same sentence, which I'm excited about. We've got international baseball and a special home for the holidays interview. So being, being home for the holidays is something that our players and our baseball boyfriends are doing. And social media, I mean, you know, as, as much of a shithole it is, as it is in many ways, the happy holidays stuff is really sweet. And I've been, you know, following a couple of the baseball boyfriends. And one guy, Jose Siri, who was my boyfriend last year from the Houston Astros, he's been doing a little bit of um, pushing his merch for the holidays. So like buy your Jose Siri shirt. And he's got his own company. So power to him, you know, for putting his own stuff out there. I'm fine with that instead of paying fanatics or whatever the official MLB stuff is, because this feels, you know, it's official. It's from him. Um, but his his business is at the aptly named humbleness.net. I can't believe they got that, actually. Now, Humbleness. That strikes me as possibly a little sarcastic. I mean, you're going to you, <laughs> advertise that you're humble. Right. Does that... What does that mean exactly? <laughs> exactly. And you're, and you're producing all this, you know, merch with your name on it. So that's right. not humbleness, but I So don't he's know. no stranger to irony, I'm guessing, is what maybe we're learning Maybe that's here. it. Maybe that's it. Or he's just clueless and I maybe I can find that slightly adorable. But he is creative. <laughs> so he, his um, nickname is El Rayo, which is a lightning bolt. And so that's all over the merch. But recently they came up with a, a new design, which is Hey Siri. Ha. So it, with a lightning bolt in between. So that's, hey, Siri, look, it's spelled the same way. It just has the accent on the second I. But I would get a hey, Siri shirt. Sure like, I, I should be. I should get a hey, Siri shirt. What, what am I talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so for other guys, Kike Hernandez, I, the most adorable family. Definitely look that up. Kevin Plowecki has the cutest little kid uh, Red Sox player. But you know, I've got to raise my hat once again to the guy that I, I still feel guilty about bashing so much on this show, which is CeCe Sabathia in the early days. I kind of gave him a really shitty time when he was at the end of his career, basically because he's so good and he was a Yankee. But I think that he wins the social media Christmas card award. Have you seen his social media post on Instagram? I have not. What did I miss? It's, uh, it's a takeoff on Home Alone with his kid. 
And oh, it's no. hysterical. The whole, well, it, and it shows kind of how much money they have. The whole family is on this like luxury jet taking off somewhere and they realize that they lost, left one of the kids behind. <laughs> but then it goes into like a whole, like he does the like surprised face look and runs around and a couple of people break into the house. It's an extended video that is worth seeing and kudos to CC for making the holidays a little bit fun. Yes. Excellent. I'm going to look that up. Okay, so to be a little less fun, we're going to go right into economics. We're talking about the lockout here. So oh, that's less fun? That's great. Yeah, but you know what? The Washington Post has made the economic issues that we've been talking about very clear in a piece they just did, talking about the baseball middle class. So I'm going to link to that. So if, um, wow. if e even our multiple conversations trying to explain the differences between what the owners and what the players want and why um, isn't working for you, this Post article might. Um, the revenues in baseball for the owners increased in the before times and the players average salary decreased even in the face of all these mega deals because you know wow. those mega deals are like the top one percent right so it still leaves a giant middle class who payrolls dropped to the lowest levels since 2015 and the average player salary dropped five percent since 2019 right so so as many like max scherzer deals that you hear there's most of the guys in the middle whose salaries are either not going up or in some cases going down. That's so, just, and, it's wild because so many people say like, I have no sympathy for the players. Look at these mega deals, but it's just those deals get the press, right? It's boring to talk about the middle class. Right. And uh, it, the, this article points out something that I think I've mentioned just once is like the ownership wants to see what the, 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 the salary pool as a pie and, okay, well, we can just divide it differently if you think the younger guys aren't getting enough. And mm -hmm. the players are like, you are getting so much revenue that it increases every single year. You need to make this be a bigger pie. Yeah. So that's part of it. So another thing that's happening during the lockout is um, teams don't have any contact with their players, right? It includes their injured players. So guys who are recovering from Tommy John or sprains or breaks, the teams don't know how they're doing makes it hard to plan. It also is harder for these guys who had plans with the teams for rehab work with team trainers and medical staff. Some teams had the foresight to set these players up with external programs before the oh, lockout, wow. but they still aren't allowed to have any contact to see how's it going. So like, you know, you have this picture is recovering from Tommy John. You don't know. Here it is almost January. If you're going to have them access to them in a month or not. Wow. Right. Are they going to be ready or not? So that's interesting. Um, Investigations continue, right? So any any of the investigations that MLB is doing for um, policy violations, like the like the domestic violence, any of those those investigations on the side of MLB can keep going. They just can't talk to the players. So you know if you're investigating by talking to witnesses or doing research, that stuff can still continue. I thought that was kind of interesting. The only but thing you can't do is, well, that's okay. The la usually in an investigation, the last thing you do is interview the player, so that's fine. Okay, but it means that's not being held up. Yeah. So that's, that's good. That's interesting. And as we've mentioned before, you can hire your coaching staff and your front office staff and all of those. And this week, in fact, the final open manager spot was filled with the Oakland A's hiring Mike Kotze. Um, he's never managed before, but he played for 17 years. He played with the A's for four of those years. Um, he worked in the front office for the Padres for a while. And then under Bob Melvin, the, the immediately previous A's manager. He was the bench coach for five years and most recently the third base coach this past season. So he has a really good relationship with the players. He also gets how the front office works because he's been mm. in the front office. Um, so it looks like a net positive, even though there's no actual managerial experience. But you got to start somewhere. Why not at the top, right? Right. And it'll be interesting to see because there's been this sort of, uh, I, I think, bias toward getting the old trusty guys. I mean, look at Showalter, look at Larissa. Trusty and, and or crusty, either one, right? Yeah, exactly. So it'll be, it'll be a good comparison to see what happens with the A's. And I, and I definitely wish the best for the A's. They've been too close for too long. Sure enough. Hey, boyfriends, let's go boyfriends. Let's go boyfriends. So this is what we do every week. We pick baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we like because they're cool. And, you know, our barometer is, would we hang out and have a beer with them? And we're each going to pick... One per team. We started with the teams with the worst record. We are working our way up slowly and carefully. 
And this week we have the Royals with the American League. And I picked Adalberto Mondesi, who is a shortstop, but has spent some time on second and might be playing second or third next year, depending on what happens with acquisitions for the Royals. 26 years old. And I picked him because I feel like I, I looked him over too quickly a couple of years ago. Although now that I'm going to talk about where he's been at today, I kind of might have evaded a premature pick and I might be picking him at the right time. I almost picked him in our very first season, episode 59, but I saw that he had been suspended for PEDs. And apparently my, my, my tolerance for drugs at that time was lower than it is now. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and I, I look a little bit more into the PED suspensions and think that it's not always a deal breaker for me. There are certain things that are deal breakers for our baseball boyfriends. They cannot be assholes. They cannot be abusers. They cannot be accused of abuse, things like that. But, you know, when it comes to drug use, I think we need to, like, look in another layer and see what's behind it and what the actual situation was. And he actually had originally gotten an 80-game suspension, but they reduced it to 50 because it was found to have come in over-the-counter cold flu medication that he got in the Dominican Republic. So there's a lot of medicine you get in the Dominican Republic sort of being an, an excuse or a cover-up for PEDs. Like, there's definitely evidence of that, and I think Robinson Cano had a little bit of that at one of his uh, accusations, which there have been a, a few, right? Um, but I, this one, I believe, and he's hasn't had any any problems since then. That was 2016. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to think that he actually was trying to relieve cold symptoms when he was visiting home and look into him a little bit more. So he's a little bit of a, um, a prodigy in some ways, but also it's because of the family lineage. He signed in 2011 at age 16 with the Royals as a baby and still got like a $2 million bonus. After that point, he was, of course, in the minors for a while. And he was in lead on with Tigres de Lisee from 2015 to 18 when he was sort of just breaking in. And he was the number one MLB top prospect in 2015. So at that point, people thought great things of him. He was a five-tool player, still could be. I think he still has like a lot of potential. And he's so fast that even your, your ex-boyfriend or former boyfriend, you wouldn't drop this guy, Whit Merrifield, predicted that he would steal 80 bases in a season because he's that fast. But he's had a hard time. And he's had a hard time personally, emotionally, and with injuries since that point. And so that's the other thing about like the boys, boy, <laughs> baseball boyfriend. I know these guys. Baseball boyfriend situation is it's good to feel like somebody is overcoming obstacles, you know, that, that, that they're working beyond something. And I really feel like Mondesi is going to do that this year. So in 2015, he debuted at the World Series, when the Royals were in the World Series, he was the first MLB player ever to debut in a World Series. No pressure is, there. God. Exactly. And as a pinch hitter, as a pinch hitter. So I think that says something as to what people expected of him at the time. Unfortunately, he struck out. He was put in as a pinch hitter for the pitcher, which happens in the World Series, clearly for the for the AL teams. Um for Jordano Ventura, and I'm going to get back to him, and I think it's it's pretty cosmic mm -hmm. that that was his debut because that was a very important person in his life. Um, in 2016, he got his first hit in July. He came out later on his birthday, and he that was his first Salvi splash, and that's a flashback to my former boyfriend from the Royals, Salvador Perez, who I will always adore. He's just such a guy, such a character, and just that anything that has to do with with Salvi is going to make me a little bit happy. His first home run was in August against Justin Verlander. Wait, time out. What's a Salvi splash? Oh, a Salvi splash is when you get dumped on. You get the, the Gatorade cooler there we dumped go. on your head. Thank yeah. You. And Salvi, of course, is going to be the one to do that because he's that kind of guy. And of course, that's what I like about him. <laughs> so in 2017, Jordano Ventura, the aforementioned pitcher that he that he pinch hit for in the World Series, they were buddies, like best friends roommates through some of the minors, uh, spring training. Ventura was actually four years older than Adalberto. Um, and he died in a car crash in 2017 oh. in the Dominican Republic. Um, that night, 
they were actually together at a festival. So this gets really heart-wrenching. So he offered, Alberto offered uh, Ventura a ride back because they were in Santo Domingo and, oh no, they were in Ocoa and they both were staying with relatives in Santo Domingo. Ventura said no. So Alberto left, Ventura stayed. For some reason, he went out and drove in the middle of the night. It sounds like a woman was involved. I forget the exact story, but the the mountain roads are treacherous, and he lost control of his Jeep. He's leaving a party, and there's I don't know any details about about any uh, alcohol involvement or not. But he 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 died, and it and it affected Adalberto intensely because they were you know very close friends. So you know, as far as trying to keep your focus and keep your play. I think there's two sides of that. On one side, he's trying to honor his friend. And he, to this day, still wears a black band on his left wrist that says Ace 30. His number is 30. And he has a silver chain with the number 30. Oh, Yeah. So 2017 actually wasn't a great year for him, which, you know, not a shocker. He made opening day. He was sent back down. He got back up in June 2018 and had a pretty decent season then, except for injuries, which is something that plagued him from then pretty much till now. And I'm hoping he breaks through it. So 2018, he ended up fourth in the league for stealing bases with 32 bases, despite playing 75 games. He was the first player with 14 home. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And he, he was the first player with 14 home runs and 32 steals in 75 or fewer games. In 2019, it looked like he was coming out again. He hit the first inside the park home run of the season, and he ran the bases in 15.36 seconds, which was tied for the fourth fastest home run in those in that season and the season before. 2019, he also led MLB in triples, which is you know, a bizarre statistic. And it, and it always has to do with, with speed, I think. Like, that's when you're going to crank out the triple, right? So he had 10 of those despite his injuries. He was in 102 games that year. It was his only season over 100 games, and he ended it with shoulder surgery. Um, 2020, short season, 59 games he played. He led the American League in stolen bases. Um, he was also, also led the American League in caught stealing. But, you know, to lead in both is not a bad balance. And the last week of 2020, he was the AL Player of the Week with these stats. He was he was batting 615 with five stolen bases in a week. In a yeah. week? Damn. In a week. All right. So 2021, not a good year for him. He just was injured. He was injured a lot. Oblique injury, which actually I have one now. It's a pain in the ass. It just takes so long to heal. It's a pain in the side, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Like I'm pointing to that now, dear dear listeners, honestly. Um, And his hamstring. So he played 35 games. So clearly now the coaching staff, oh shit. And and now what you just said about the – about the the lockout affecting coaching and and this kind of thing, they were gonna look after him in the off season. So this mm-hmm. is kind of terrifying to me right now that I'm putting these two pieces of the of the puzzle together. He's not playing in lead on, even though he did before. The idea was that he was gonna just spend a month in the Dominican Republic after the season, see family and stuff, and then go back to Florida for training. So that can't happen. And he was gonna start. Spring training early. Um, so I don't know. I hope I hope he gets better. This his family situation is is worth noting. So his name, his full name is Raul Adalberto Mondesi. And he actually went by Raul Mondesi when he started, changed it to Adalberto in 2018 because his father, Raul Mondesi, actually very well-known MLB player who played for 13 years. Um, was rookie of the year, was an all-star, father was a great legend. So you he's has the same name as his father, and you would think he would continue it. He actually has a brother also named Raul Mondesi Jr. Yeah. So he says that one of the reasons why he switched over was just to avoid confusion because his brother and his father have the same day, name. But also his father, after he retired from baseball, went back to the DR, got elected mayor of San Cristobal, then also got caught embezzling money and got sentenced to eight years in jail and a shit ton fine. So I think that's a little bit maybe why he wanted to change his name also. And it's sad. A little bit of distance. Right. And he's like that same generation of Vladdy Jr. and Tatis Jr., both with the fathers who are, you know, amazingly famous players and same thing here. And he can't quite capitalize on the same situation. 
I don't know. The last couple of things about him. Baseball Reference had this map about who's the most popular player in each state. Otani, it's like a country of Otani. And and the one that I actually <laughs> doubt is they had Otani in Massachusetts. I was like, no, fuck that. No, I, Mass, I can't believe that one. They're going to go Red Sox. They're just too faithful. But uh, Mondesi was the most popular player in Mississippi. And there were a ton of retweets that just said like the the – the goal of this, you know, this meme was to show Mondesi's popularity in, in Mississippi, which is just bizarre. <laughs> um, the GM is is counting on him being there. He said, I love Mondi to death. So that's his nickname. And have no plans to move on from him. So that's another baseball boyfriend thing. I want to make sure that they're they're playing. But he said he can't count on him as an everyday player, alluding to those injuries. So that last baseball boyfriend, like why you want this guy. He has great QR, quality hair above replacement, great hair in many different photos on his Instagram. He has several Instagram photos wearing a mask, which is very responsible. And one, he's wearing a, a T-shirt that says love each other. It's got a little heart earth on it. Great one with a dog. And he has a lot of tattoos that he showed off in another picture that I probably just shouldn't say anything else about at this point. So that's, that's a lot about Alberto Mondesi, but he's he's somebody to watch this year. It could be big news. All right. All right. Well, I will tell you straight up that he will be moving to second because my boyfriend pick, uh, Bobby Witt, is coming up, man. Bobby Witt Jr., 21-year-old shortstop, is absolutely coming up. And remember how I was so certain about Ryan Mountcastle about this time last year? I am that certain with a crazy early pick for Rookie of the Year for Bobby Witt Jr. I hope others appreciate your knowledge this time around because they should have fucking listened to you last year, really. They, well, the players did. The players voted yeah. on it. So, you know, maybe that'll happen this year. So there are a lot of similarities, um, even though Bobby Witt Jr. is Colleyville, Texas, for instance. But um, he was the second overall pick in 2019 after, yes, Adley Rutschman. So I didn't, I don't mean to be like, <laughs> like knocking off the draft picks from 2019 on purpose, but it just worked out that way. Signed for $7.9 million, which I believe was only behind Garrett Cole at the time for like, you know, draft Whoa. signings. Um, but his dad, Bobby Witt Sr., was drafted in the first round by the Rangers in 1985, making them the highest drafted father and son team. <laughs> That's a great That's pretty stat. cool, I love right? It. So his dad played for, he was a pitcher, played for 16 years, including winning a World Series with the Diamondbacks. And there's a very sweet picture of him holding the World Series trophy in one hand and, and, and Bobby Witt Jr. in the other arm. Go ahead and say it. Oh, it's that is adorable. That's adorable. It's time to drink. Cheers, yeah, folks. Adorable that, is our drinking word. Yep. Yeah, those of you who are new to the show, I firmly believe that adorable is not a sports word. So when I catch potty mouth saying it in a sports context, we have to drink, but <laughs> we can just drink anyway. So cheers. Cheers. So his dad, his dad said, talking about his son, this up and comer, he said, I remember when he was younger, he always had a bat in his hand. He was always trying to hit something, whether it was furniture or whatever. It didn't matter. <laughs> I remember one day he was swinging in the living room and he had a wood bat. And I said, hey, take it easy. And he was little. It was way too big a bat for him. And he swung it and let go of it. And it just stuck in the wall. And we're just sitting there <laughs> laughing. We still have the hole. We haven't anything to fix it yet. So, I think that hole in the wall was like a harbinger. You know, Is it a harbinger or a harbinger? Harbinger. Harbinger? I think Harbinger. I it's one of those things. Yeah. Things to tomato, yeah. tomato. It's an omen. That's that's right. That's right. You say Harbinger. I said, anyway, this, yeah. this, this, this little tidbit is for you, Potty Mouth, because of my love for you. He wore number 17 Aww. in high school because he combined the numbers of his two favorite players, Derek Jeter and Dustin Pedroia. Wow. I hope they like peacefully combined because those are not two players who liked each other. <laughs> but they worked out to 17, which is what right. he wore. And then when, when Pedroia retired, he posted, watching him showed me how to play with heart and passion as he did every day. Oh, wow. My goal is to make Potty Mouth cry. And I might have just yeah. gotten there. I love might have just gotten Petey. there. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. I know you do. And so you're going to like you're going to like Bobby Wood Jr. because, I mean, these are the kinds of of traits that he wants to emulate, right? Um, mm -hmm. He's got the hardworking trait for sure because he's, his high school coach eventually just gave him the key card because he wanted to hit so much. It's like, here, let yourself in. Use, use the batting cages. Just go ahead. Just, just do this. So 
one of his most memorable baseball moments. I love this. I mean, I love hitting for the cycle. I think it's a cool thing to watch, right? Because it shows a lot of different kinds of skills. It's great. Well, he played for Team USA in 2018, and they were in Panama, the gold medal game in the, the Panama games. He cycled in order, which means he singled first, and then he doubled, and then he tripled, and then he homered in the Especially gold medal game. Cool. That's crazy. Right? Isn't that amazing? So in 2019, he's a high school senior. He's the Gatorade National Player of the Year. He's the Baseball America High School Player of the Year. The scouts are all coming to watch him, of course. And everyone knows Adley's going number one. And the Royals are like, to get to the other scouts, why are you even bothering? We've got this guy. You know, we're making no secret that, you know, we have the second pick. This, this, this is our guy. And the Royals scouts invited other scouts to come watch him, even when they were sure they were going to draft him, because what they wanted to do was show them a really good player so they can go back and compare other players to Bobby Witt Jr. Wow. They watched him for fun and education, not just to recruit him, because they'd already got, like figured that part out, right? So this past year, this past year, 2021, he got the George Brett Award for Minor League Hitter of the Year. He hit in 121 games, the first 61 were double A and then triple A, 33 homers, 35 doubles, 96 RBI, 98 runs, and 29 stolen bases. And he almost had 30 stolen bases, which would have given him a 30-30 season, which almost never happens Dang. in the minor leagues. He got the 30th steal and like early in a game that was then called in the third inning because of rain, so it didn't freaking count. They didn't finish it like in another date. Oh my god! Nope, nope, nope. It's the minor leagues, baby. Oh, that's cr oh, that's so sad. Wow. I mean, he actually got Dang. the steal, but then didn't get the steal, right? So yeah, the same. This this past season, he was also the USA Today Minor League Player of the Year. His manager from Omaha, from his AAA team, talks about how a lot of guys play kind of like they're entitled especially guys with a pedigree, like, hey, my dad was in the mm -hmm. major leagues for, you know, 16 years. Right. And he, they, they play like the game owes them something. He said the best thing about Bobby Witt Jr. is he plays like he owes the game. Cool. And I love that. It just it just makes my heart feel good. Um, he was asked about being listed as the number three prospect, not number one or number two um, <laughs> on the current list. And he said, I don't care about that. I don't care if I'm number one or I'm number 99. My goal is to get off that list. Right. I want to play. I, yeah. I, I want to get there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's in front of me. My goal is just to get off that list and to get there, which I really liked. Some fun facts about Bobby is his girlfriend, Maggie Black, plays softball for Northwestern State, and she's damn hmm. good. He, he, wow. he retweeted this this thing from the, from the team where like the home opener, she hit a three run walk off to win the game. Holy so cow. she is not shabby. There, um, you would appreciate their Instagram the way you appreciate the um, Hernandez family because they're like hiking together, like they're doing all of these like outdoors Aww. things and and all of that, which I know that you totally love. And they're they're That's pretty awesome. great. Um, he shares a trainer with Patrick Mahomes, so um, so like they have this whole like you know Kansas City thing happening there. Um, he's basically known as like this Not ultimate bad. team player and like this the guy who's always got a smile, who's there to to work hard, to play hard, and. He's a hockey fan, so I've got to like that. So I would have plenty to talk to him over a beer about. And thank God he's 21, so I can. Yeah, there you go. So so do you know who his team is for hockey? Uh, Dallas Stars, because he's from Texas. Oh, and that makes sense. That makes you, you, sense. Can, you can root for your, your home team. That's totally fine. Yep. They're not my team. They don't have That's to be my totally team. I can still talk hockey. Yes. Still have a beer, still talk hockey. Sounds good. All right, the next guy I'm going to have a beer with, we're going over to the National League, and we're talking about the Marlins. And I picked Avisail Garcia, right fielder, age 31. And maybe I picked him because he's from Answategi, and I love talking about Answategi <laughs> because it's the coolest name for the, the state. It's like a province in Venezuela. He's from Anaco. And he actually played, I get to say it again, he played for the Caribes de Answategi in the Liga Venezolana de, de Baseball. He you're just also showing off. Yeah, well, I love Answategi. <laughs> what a cool name. Yeah. It so is he, a cool name. He also, though, this is like extra baseball boyfriend stuff. He got the Hard and Hustle Award twice with two twice? different teams. What? Yep. Yeah, and this is the the word for the the passion of the game. Somebody who best embodies the values, spirits, and traditions, which is something we totally look for when we're talking baseball boyfriends. It's the so boyfriend award. 
Yeah, one of them. We've, and we've got lots. Clemente, I think, is good for boyfriend yep. qualifications. But he went at once with the White Sox, once with the Rays. And he seems to favor going free agency for his deals, like short deals. And he chooses with, with each opportunity. Every time he's been able to choose, he's chosen to be a free agent and see what happens with the market. He was signed by the Tigers 2010, debuted in 12. He was traded to the White Sox in, in 13, but then at the end of 18, when his uh, contract expired, he chose free agency, ended up with the, with the Rays, for a year, went free agent again, ended up with the Brewers, and then just this last year declined his half of the option to extend the contract. Wanted to see what the market brought him. And Miami was calling to him. And interestingly, he already had a home in Miami. And I think it's common for, for Latino players, I think, to sort of base in Miami. But I think part of this is really wanting to be there for the city. And he at least he genuinely presented himself that way when Jeter made him the offer. And, and Jeter's take on it was, I think I'm a good character, a ju good judge. He's, he didn't say that. He said, I think I'm a good judge of character. So he, he almost had the deal, but he had to pass the Jeter test, like a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> talking with Jeter about your commitment to the team. And Jeter felt like, this guy is serious about loving Miami and wanting to be here. He was uh, quoted as the stat cast darling in one of the articles that I saw, which, you know, that's going to be a good sign. Hopefully he'll get me some baseball boyfriend points when we do our fantasy team. But he rated 80th percentile or better in those, you know, stat cast loving things like barrel rate, expected batting average, and expected uh OBA Awoba, right, with average sprint, sprint speed. He needs to have a little bit of patience, though, because he was exceptionally bad on whiffs and chasing the ball. So he needs to get a little bit of plate discipline, and I think he will be taken off. Um, his favorite player was Maglio Ordonez, who I admired for he had some really good QR at the end of his career with the Tigers, like really good curls. They, people refer to him, though, as the mini Miggy. Uh, also, one of my uh, former baseball boyfriends, uh, Miguel Cabrera, because they're both um, <laughs> they both look alike, but they're both the same size. So I don't know where the mini comes from, but yeah. I don't know. Another thing we look for with baseball boyfriends often is doing good, giving back to your communities. And this past offseason, he was caught providing food, clothing and shoes and baseball equipment to kids and families in the area of Venezuela that he's from. and. If you look at his Instagram, there's one shot of a whole team of kids that he apparently outfitted. They all have his name on the back of their shirt, oh. Abisaya and Garcia, but he calls them the future faces of baseball. And it's obviously a team that he sort of adopted and clothed. He has an adorable family also. They're worth looking at an Instagram. And they're all A's. So I don't know if he like waited to find a woman whose first name began with <laughs> A, like Abisaya. But his wife is Ana Karina. His daughter is Anarela. Uh, maybe that's pronounced Anarea since it's in, yeah, in, in Anarea, Spanish. Yep. Yeah. And his son is Avi. So there are a bunch of A's. So I'm hoping. So I've got two baseball boyfriend A's. The second one's got a whole family of A's. He's from a, a province that starts with A. I'm hoping this means that I get an A plus and not that everybody's an asshole. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> we need the A's to work on our yeah. favorite. Thank you very much. So second year in a row, I'm sad about our stupid, stupid baseball boyfriend rules, which yeah. don't allow me to have the general manager of a team as my <laughs> baseball boyfriend, because, you know, Kim Ang is the general manager of the Marlins, the only woman to hold that job. She's a goddess. I'm wearing my glass ceiling shattered t-shirt in her honor at this very moment in time. So I had to move on. I actually pick a player. And I had a text potty mouth saying, wait a minute. Yeah. How have we did? I, I was sure we've already picked this guy. And and, and you said, no, I'm, I'm saving him for you, which I appreciate. So, so welcome to Jasrado Hermes Arrington Chisholm Jr., otherwise known as Jazz Chisholm, second base, 23 years old from Nassau in the Bahamas. I have, I'm filling out my infield today. Can we go on vacation? Like Nassau, that sounds like a... Good destination. And yeah. apparently it is now kind of a baseball mecca, which it wasn't for a long time. He's one hmm. of 22 Bahamanian players in affiliated ball. There were none, not a single player from the Bahamas 
from 1983 to 2000 and actually 2011. I put 2000 was 2011. Wow. That's that stunning. That's weird. So we have talked about jazz several times because of grooming and flash. Oh, he's so good. Talk about Qhar, right? You know, opening day, he had the bright blue hair, changed to purple later in the season. Now it's um, last, last I saw it was sort of a bleached blonde. He cares about his appearance. He cares about his, his, his image, his image. So, you know, I don't necessarily care about those things as like, this is why I would pick somebody. But he's got a lot of other stuff going on for him. So that just makes it more fun. It's not like instead of having, you know, I, I don't like flash over, you know, over content, over, you know, <laughs> what, what, over integrity, over those things. But he seems to have, have it all going on. So he says he was kind of he, his he loves his parents, but he spent a lot of time with his grandparents. And he said that his paternal grandmother taught him how to work and his maternal grandmother taught him how to play. Oh, that's and his so mater- cool. His maternal grandmother, Grammy Pat, was shortstop for Bahamas national softball team in the 80s and apparently continued to play on various softball teams into her 60s. Can we have a beer with Grammy Pat, please? That's exactly where I was going. Last last week we were talking about wanting to have like beer with with players' parents. Today we've moved to the grandparent. I want to meet Grammy. I want to meet Grammy. He said... So he obviously watched her play a lot because she's like 77 now. So he saw her play and said, she plays like a rookie Francisco Lindor. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> cute. That is, that's adorable. And I'm out of she beer. She apparently also started a baseball academy in the Bahamas in 1985. Started jazz with soft toss at two years old <laughs> and then took him to the park every weekend, you know, to start teaching him the rules of the road, man, here's how you play. And, you know, he listened to her, but kind of rolled his eyes and stuff. And then when he was like in his young teens, he was hearing from scouts and baseball coaches who were giving him the exact same advice. And he was like, she was right. That's- oh my God. <laughs> Everything she told me was exactly right. Always listen to your grandmother, people. Listen to your grandmother, people. And to this day, she still calls him exactly one hour after the end of every game you play him. Oh my God. And sometimes it's just, you did great, honey. Make sure you eat something and get a good night's sleep. Or we need to talk about your swank. Whatever it is. I mean, like she calls him like every, every time. So in 2010, he was on the team from the Bahamas that won the 12U Cal Ripken Jr. Little League World Series. Um, It was the first time the team had ever used aluminum bats, which would have been noisy and fun for sure. If you come from using wooden bats and then you're hitting with aluminum bats, that's quite a thing. Also the first time that scouts got to see him and some of his teammates in the United States, right? So at 13, he moved to Kansas to go to a prep school so he could play high school baseball in a place where he might eventually get noticed. And the only thing he knew was it was freaking cold. And he didn't like it. There weren't enough hoodies in the world. What do you mean we play baseball when it's snowing? This is wrong. Everything about this is wrong. Yeah. He hated it. I loved the people. I hated the, the the weather. So he had family in Florida. So if I had two days off, I was in Florida for two days because I, <laughs> I had to undo it. Um, I had to go warm up. And he said he lives there now. Like you had mentioned, a lot of players live in Florida. And it's not just, you know, because your team's there. A lot of players live there because of spring training facilities are there and a lot of them just like it where it's warm so you know players for teams that you wouldn't expect seem to have houses in florida as well but he's got family there and he said i like it i got shorts and t-shirts all year round and that's what he wants me he makes a point of saying but i look good in the shorts (laughs) and t-shirts it's true true. i can't argue that's right that's right. So he used to apparently be in trouble at school. He said, no, I was a smart kid, but I got in trouble because like I finished all my work early. So then I was bored. And you know what it's like when you have bored mm-hmm. kids in your class, don't you? Oh, yeah. Public school teacher person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Oh, fun. He said one of his favorite things to do was just to get to class in the nick of time as the bell was ringing. And if he was going to be a little bit late, he actually slid into class as in like <laughs> sliding into base. Awesome. And everybody in class would yell, safe, if That's he got there so in time. Cool. Right. So in 2015, he was playing at a showcase in the Bahamas that was meant to showcase Lucius Fox. And just to be clear, if you're not up on Lucius Fox, this is the one that plays for the race, not the one in Batman. Right. <laughs> Different Lucius Fox. Um, I, I, I had to make sure I had to make sure. But so he got noticed. He got noticed at this this uh, showcase that was for somebody else. And he got signed by the Diamondbacks as an international free agent in 2015 at 17 years old. So wow. he 
played for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic in 2017. And when asked about that, he's like, yeah, well, we're practically British. Yeah, it's fine. They asked. I said, sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Where the government's at. Yep. For sure. So he was traded from the Diamondbacks to the Marlins in 2019. This is actually kind of funny because he was playing, you know, in the in the minors and his minor league team from the Diamondbacks was playing in Biloxi as the visiting team. The Marlins minor league team was going to be in Biloxi the next day. So he just stayed there and his new team came to him. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So as we've talked about, he's super flashy, right? I mean, he likes to watch his home runs. He, you know, he does his little zero step when he crosses, but he does the bat flip. He's all about the flash, right? He cares about these things. And a lot of the young players say, this is great. This is fun. We love having you around. And as we know, a lot of the older players or in the, you know, the, the, the old school is like, oh no, oh no, mm -hmm. we don't do that. So while he was in the minors, he tried to not do that. And when he shut himself down, he shut down his skills too, because he couldn't function if he was trying yeah. so hard to make sure he didn't like overstep the bounds or like come out of like the little, the, you know, the line that was drawn around him. He didn't do well. So like he, even his grandma said, you know, no, you got to go ahead, watch your home runs, flip your bats, do what you got to do, because that's when you play well. Yep. You be you. Like you got to be yourself. You be you. So um, got better, you know, let himself be himself and you got better. He debuted in September of 2020. He currently has the fastest sprint speed of all second basemen. Um, we talked about when I talked about um, Dominic Smith of the Mets, we talked about baseball generations, which is his foundation that does youth clinics, whatever. So he's part mm -hmm. of that. So Jazz Chisholm is one of the players that helps out with that. So he just recently played in the all-star game. They had for baseball generations. And also the Bahamas has this thing called the don't blink home run derby, where they invite back their, you know, their handful of stars in baseball and they try to create more excitement for baseball in the Bahamas. And so this time they added a youth clinic to this home run derby where 60 kids came from all over the Bahamas. There was a celebrity softball game. There was a charity golf tournament and their home run derby is on a platform that overlooks the ocean. So they hit their, their oh home God. runs into the ocean, which is probably cool to watch, but I keep thinking that seems wasteful, but oh my yeah. God, how cool is that? Right. <laughs> but, yeah. I would love to see that. But what he said was like, he hadn't been back to the Bahamas for two years. And he said, seeing the Bahamian kids, they started playing baseball because of me and yeah. they're swinging like me. It really gets to me, man. So like he's, like he's seeing what, that he has this really kind of important role. Like mm -hmm. these kids are paying attention to him. So he needs to kind of, you know, make sure he's living up to that. Right. And he's helping them out and he's giving back to them. So he attended one or more of the world series games that were in Atlanta and apparently took a lot of crap for it. Because, really? because because his team wasn't in it because his team wasn't in it. be like you don't play for the for Atlanta what are you doing there and That's then everybody weird. you know a bunch of people came to his defense but you know we have like Juan Soto you know right. at Dodger Stadium watching his buds of. you know he really admires Acuna Jr mm -hmm. and I mean they're as we know they're a fun team to watch and so I think most people overruled the haters but oh good. come on let him go to a damn baseball game and have a good time right yeah so last time we actually talked about him was when. And they, they had played the Nationals and the Nationals pitcher, Josh Rogers, like spoofed on him because we, when Josh struck out Jazz, he did a little Euro step off the mound, which is what, <laughs> so cool. which is what Jazz, Jazz does when he hits a home run, he crosses home plate and people are like, uh-oh. And the two of them just cracked up and they got all the support from all over. This is what it's about. Yeah. Have fun. And mm -hmm. he even said, if you can strike me out, man. Go for it, you know, celebrate, right. have a great time. So that was pretty great. And um, we mentioned Derek Jeter way too many times already. But one oh, more gosh. thing is that Derek, Derek Jeter's nephew dressed as Jazz Chisholm for Halloween this year. That's super cute. That's, Isn't that super fact, cute? That's adorable. And I have oh, a beard open right now. That perfect timing. Oh, that is great. So next week, we're bringing you boyfriends from the Tigers and the Cubs. Here we go, friends. Super fun. But we're going to move to the Pirates right now, who recently hired Caitlin Callahan as a development coach. And this is the first in-uniform 
female coach in franchise history for the Pirates. And actually, we have plenty of teams who still need to hire a woman in uniform as a coach. I mean, I, I all I can think of is Alyssa Nakin and the, of the Giants who actually wears a uniform. I don't know that the article that I that I read said that there's a couple dozen women female coaches right now in MLB, which you know a couple dozen among hundreds is still not equitable, but it's getting. But more there. than I would have guessed. More than I would have guessed. Yes, absolutely. So I'm gonna we're gonna just keep celebrating each one until it becomes commonplace. Uh, she played softball at both BU, Boston University, and St. Mary's, but not the one near us in Maryland. There's apparently one in California. And she worked for the Reds for two years in 2020, 2021 on their video and technology team. Started out actually with the Staten Island Yankees, who actually just saw referenced in the movie King of Staten Island. Have you seen that? They go to a Staten Island Yankees game. It's a very cute scene. Yeah, it's worth seeing. I, I recommend it. Well, I'm just, uh, you caught me speechless for a second because I'm about to say Staten Island Yankees. I'm about to say that that name. Here it oh, comes. Oh wow! Wait, all right. So maybe we should do this segue. That's wild because in in the movie you've got to see King of Staten Island because Bill Burr is in it. He's a firefighter who's a, actually a Red Sox fan, but he's okay with the Staten Island Yankees. So let's go Staten Island Yankees! Yay, Caitlin Callahan, and get every other team get a woman in uniform because then little girls see women in uniforms and say, "I can do that." It's it's important to put women in uniforms. Damn it! If you can see it, you can be it. Yep. So here's the problem with the Staten Island Yankees. They got cut, man. They got what? cut. Oh, yep. shit. So our police yeah. blotter brings you the Tri-City Valley Cats, which is the team near my in-laws. I've been to several of their games. The Staten Island Yankees, the Norwich Sea Unicorns, and the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes. All four of them lost affiliations and when, when oh, the minor no. leagues went down from 160 to 120 teams. The four of them filed an antitrust lawsuit against Major League Baseball in the U.S. District Court in Manhattan as a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. So stuff is happening. Um, the antitrust exemption for baseball stems from 1922, where it was said there was not interstate commerce, but it's wow. exhibitions. Therefore, it doesn't apply. It was upheld in 1953. It was upheld in 1972. They say it takes an act of Congress to get rid of it. In 1972, uh, no, I'm sorry, 1978, uh, the Kurt Flood Act. When, no, no, 1998. Good God, 1998, the Kurt Flood Act passed, which meant that major league players were not subject to antitrust, but it still affects minor league players. Recently, that NCAA decision that happened in the Supreme Court this summer kind of wedged the, the door open a little bit for action here. So this could be something that that gets rid of this this um, this antitrust exemption. And what was filed about this this issue? The uh, they say the takeover plan, the takeover plan being MLB cutting down the number of teams, getting rid of minor league management and taking over the management of those minor league teams, right? That's what happened last year. The takeover plan is nothing less than a naked horizontal agreement to cement MLB's dominance over all professional baseball. It's clearly true. Clearly true. And anytime you get to say naked horizontal agreement <laughs> that is okay by me. an episode title. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's, that is just crazy, but they can, they can appeal, right? Well, I mean, they're they're just they just filed a lawsuit, so okay. hopefully they'll win. I mean, we'll see what happens, but the door is kind of open now for for this exemption to go away. Wow! Oh, wow! Yeah, I thought it was like a judged against them. Sorry. All right, I'm on my second. Yeah, this year. is branded. This just so, happened. They just filed like the twentieth, I think. All right, December. power to them. I'm going to root for the Staten Island Yankees and Sea Unicorns. How can you Sea Unicorns and Volcanoes? How can you go against that? These are right? great names. Sure. All right, we're going to go south a little bit for our winter ball roundup with the Latin American leagues that are playing right now, the Liga Venezolana de Baseball Profesional. Last week, I am feeling super, super guilty because when we recorded last week, I said that Ildemaro Vargas, who had been my um, baseball boyfriend when he was with the D-backs, that he was on a monumental hitting streak and he had broken the record for a Venezuelan-born player in the league. But he was one short of the absolute record, which was for a foreign-born player who, who had played in that league, and he did not get it. 
So he had he has the the record of twenty seven. That's a big fucking deal, better than any other Venezuelan born player in LVBP. But he is one shy of tying the absolute record, which is going to be just a little bit a little bit sore. But classy everybody at his last at bat when he got the out, everybody he got a standing ovation. You know, a lot of oh, support recognizing that this is the end of the streak and you didn't quite get where you wanted to go, but you did something amazing. And the weird ass part is it was a game that was a blowout where where his his team, the Cardinales de Lara, were going against the Navagantes de Magallanes, who were the first plates team, and they beat them 13 to nothing with 18 hits. And he wasn't one of them. So, Damn. yeah, that just seems oh, that's really heartbreaking. But you out. know what? He'll start a new streak. Yep. Yeah. And they're in the playoffs. So there are five playoff teams starting today. The Navigantes were in first. Cardinales were in second. Leones, Tigres, and the Caribes de Anzuategui are just made it in as the last playoff team. And now you have some international baseball for us. I know I never have international baseball news, but I just thought that you would like to know that in the Mexican league, in the, in the LMP umpire, Uberto Saiz was removed from the field for being drunk <laughs> on the field. Um, they had video of him sort of standing and then starting to lean just gently yep. listing to the side. <laughs> so he was very wobbly and apparently he flipped off fans. That's awesome. He flipped off a home plate he flipped off the heavens. Um, <laughs> it took multiple people to sort of, you know, walk him off the field. And the next day he apologized via social media for committing an unworthy act. I'm not sure if that was the flipping off or the drinking or as a package. But, um, <laughs> you know, when we say, hey, ump, do you need glasses? Or, hey, ump, what are you drunk? In one case, at least, that was the case. Yeah, and social media was all over. Like, well, he's probably better than, say, Angel Hernandez, or sure enough, there the were blank, so many Angel Hernandez jokes about this. Oh my god! But so now, sad. now that we're into Mexico, um, I wanted to give a little bit of credit to a, a scoop that we talked about. I think last week, when when Baseball for All's Justine Siegel um, went down and coached guest coached a bunch of teams in the Liga Mexicana del Pacifico so this is the winter league of the Mexican teams and also had a clinic for girls but apparently Carla Bustamante is just a, a hot shit down there a, a woman who's been working in baseball in Mexico for years and is currently the communications director for Naranjeros de Hermosillo, but has worked in a bunch of different positions. I, I invite you to check out her LinkedIn. Mighty impressive. But this is the fourth year that she's gotten girls and women together for training. And But the first time that it's been with Justine Siegel, they call it the Mujeres en el Diamante, which is women on the diamond. So good things Very happening nice. with women playing baseball in Mexico. Um, there's more postseason action happening in Dominican Republic. Their round robin starts today. My team is out. So when we left oh. you last week, the Leones de Escogido had to win two games, and they won one of them, and they lost the second. So it got down to the last heartbreaking moment. Our playoff teams in Liram are the Gigantes de Cibao, the Estrellas Orientales, the Aguilas um, Cibaeñas, and the Tigres de Licey. I'm going to say go Estrellas Orientales because they might have Tatis Jr. jumping in. I what? hope it happens. Yeah. What? So I've talked about the, the Tatis history with Estrellas. Go back to past episodes because it's a long one. But he might come back. Also, though, another one of, if you like the Padres, pay attention to Liram. Denilson Lamet might be going to the Aguilas. So who knows? The other big Liram news this past week is there was this viral picture of a kid who had made a catcher's outfit out of cardboard. Did you see this on Instagram? I didn't see this, no. So the kid's name it has been discovered. It's Ivandri Corniel. And it's an adorable picture that's both sweet and heartbreaking at the same time. And he not only, we, we've talked about, you know, 
a lot of these players, when they start from nothing, making equipment out of what they have. So like making a catcher's mitt out of cardboard. And there, there's a really actually famous YouTube thing of Mariano Rivera talking about that and how he played with a cardboard mitt in the beginning. So this kid made a whole cardboard catcher's outfit, like with the chest protector. Cardboard's not going to protect you so well. And a mask and a mitt. And it went viral because it's adorable, but it's also a little bit sad because it means that so the kids- So this is not like as a costume. This is so he could play. Right, right. Oh, that right. really does change the tenor of the whole thing. Yeah. So oh it's, it's a very like bittersweet thing, but it caught the attention of Francisco Peña, who's the catcher of the Aguilas Cibaeñas, also an MLB free agent and son of Tony Peña, who both you and I should remember because in back in the day, like in our day, he played for both Red Sox and Cleveland. Um, also had a big playing and coaching career in the DR. But Francisco invited this kid and his friend and mother to the stadium. So they thought, like, that's cool. Like, he saw me online and I get to go to the stadium and meet him. Not only that, but he totally outfitted him in a real catcher's outfit from the Aguilas. Yeah, that's that's a uniform or equipment, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not an outfit? <laughs> Right. What I Jazz Chisholm wears this. on his off hours is an outfit. This is more of like a uniform or equipment yeah. or even kit if you want to go right. to the last one. You know. So he was wearing all the Aguilas stuff. And he even <laughs> like coached stuff, him okay, through stuff. I can't handle the vocabulary. Clearly, clearly. Last part of Dominican Republic I'm going to talk about is Yerman Mercedes, which I think I mentioned last week, who's celebrating with, he's playing with Lise, Tigres de Lise. Pedro Strop, Strop of, of Cubs fandom was playing with the Leones this, this season. Both of them have good um, coverage, not by their own account first, of them delivering Christmas baskets around people nice. who need them in the DR. In Puerto Rico, stuff is happening, although it wasn't this past week. They had a little bit of a COVID outbreak, which I didn't realize, and they actually stopped play. So recently, they've just sort of reopened with low fans in the stands. So thank you for being responsible, people of Puerto Rico. And you have to show proof of vaccination. So they were closed for over a week due to COVID. But recently, Red Sox fans, hi there. Christian Vasquez went back to play in Puerto Rico for the first time since 2016-17 season. And he joined the Cangarjeros de Sinturce. And when he was asked about, like, why are you going back now? Because, you know, a lot of the players who are solid, good in MLB don't don't go back to the, the, the season in the winter. And he said, this league saw me grow, as, grow up as a player. It was a springboard for my career in the majors. I owe a lot to it. And, and hats off to Edwin Hernandez of LBPRC in English on Twitter for that one. The other guy to watch, which this is just so sweet, like cross-training across leagues, uh, Mitch Lively was one of the voices in the darkness when when everything was shut down in COVID and we were listening to baseball in Taiwan. Mitch Lively was a pitcher with the brothers who was injured at the beginning of that year. So he actually did some like calling games or color commentary and just is such a nice dude got cut by the brothers last year and he's going to be playing in Puerto Rico. So power to these like, you know, traveling players with the Criollos Criollos de Caguas, who's um, actually Alex Cora's team. So playoffs are coming. Indios de Mayagüez have cinched it and um, we'll see what happens. That is what's happening in international baseball. Nice. A little bit more cross-training. Last week, we talked about the COVID outbreaks and NHL and NFL. um, And I had said that the Olympic break was going to be helpful to the NHL. So interestingly, they have decided just this past week that no NHL players will participate in the Olympics. You know, they were all going to like split up and go to their home country teams and play in the Olympics. That's not going to happen, but they're also not taking the break because so far they have, the NHL has had to postpone more than 50 games because of COVID. So they are going to do their best to use that 10 or 12 day break, whatever that was for the Olympics to make up a lot of those games might be good to just kind of sit it out for, but they actually did shut down for a few days over the holidays, just to give everybody a little break and a little bit of distance, which of course, and added up to mm-hmm. the number of games they had to make up for. So no NHL players in the Olympics this year. All right. Well, we're going to, this is a long ep, but we're going to put just a little bit more in because I'm here in Massachusetts and I was texting with Patty this morning about some fun conversations that I was having with my dad, who is, you know, lifelong Bostonian, Red Sox fan. 
and we thought it might be kind of fun <laughs> to get dad on here. So we are going to introduce my dad to y'all very soon. Please don't tell him that I use foul language. He's very sensitive to that. So, so don't let the cat out of the bag, but we're going to get dad on here. I mean, you, you've all heard about the legend that is Potty Mouth's father. <laughs> and you know, we, we've had some stories. So now, now is our chance to fact check those stories, possibly um, see what the, the man who started it all in the Potty Mouth household has to say. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen Bob in a long time. We are so happy to have with us on this podcast, the famous, you've heard the stories, Potty Mouth's dad, Bob. We're not using last names because we are remaining anonymous for Potty Mouth's sake to tell us if all these things, all these stories that, that Potty Mouth has been telling us are actually true or not. You're here as a fact checker and a storyteller, and we're very happy to have you. Bob, welcome. Hey, dad. Thank you. Very, very pleased to be with both of you. Uh, you're very and kind. everybody else. That's great. So, you know, Potty Mouth all this time has been calling herself, I'm a third generation Red Sox fan. That's kind of how she introduces herself. And I would love for you to back that up with a story maybe from your childhood, an early memory of, of, of rooting for the home team. Oh, I'd be delighted. I've uh, spoken to... Uh, Whose husband about uh, both the '46 Red Sox and the '48 Braves, and the '46 uh, Red Sox went to uh, went to the World Series, as did the '48 uh, Braves, and they uh, made a distinct uh, mark on on my life. That was early, much earlier, and uh, the players, for example, Ted Williams, who lived uh, very close to Fenway Park, and he uh, was the uh, hitter, a major player who had the, has still has the record of batting. His batting average is four oh six. Nobody to this day has broken Ted Williams' record. Do you think anybody ever will? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that one's standing, man. So, so Dad, think about your personal experiences. Do you remember seeing, like, did, were you at Fenway when Ted Williams played? I was at Fenway when Ted Williams played. I was at Fenway when friends of mine who were in uh, Korea with me, when I returned and I took them to Fenway and... Uh, we saw Ted Williams hit his final home run wow. at Fenway, right into the bleachers. And he was a natural hitter. He was phenomenal. And uh, we, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. It was, and all, all the, uh, the people that came with me, uh, they, were, they were so pleased at being able to see Ted, Ted Williams. He was a vet too, right? Didn't he take time off? Yeah. Ted Williams also, he was a, uh, you could, he was involved in the military. He was a a flyer in uh, Korea. He fought missions. So he left the Red Sox for three years and then came back uh, to Boston. So were were you in Korea at the same time as Ted Williams? Yes, uh, probably, yeah. So I want to say a big thanks to my dad, Bob, for joining us. And that was just a very little piece of our interview because we just got on lots of fascinating topics. So we're going to make it a whole nother episode. So please stay tuned. Now is a really good time to subscribe to No Crying in Baseball so you don't miss our special interview with Potty Mouth's dad, Bob. Oh, I loved it so much. Your dad always has good stories and it's always something new. I love that you got surprised by some of them. That was yes. that was fantastic. Yay. So, hey, hope hoping that you are able to spend some time with family if you're doing it safely over this nice winter break. I have to go back to work tomorrow. Not looking Ooh. forward to that. But I had last week off and last week off was okay. pretty great, even though we yeah. didn't do the traveling and visiting with family that we'd hoped. It was still nice to have some time away. But yep, back to the grind. You're off for a while. 
Yeah, I'm off until after New Year's, which is a really good thing. But, you know, just as a little PS to come up here, I hadn't seen my dad since before COVID. Like we we stopped by last summer for literally a two hour visit outside and we're outside of D.C. and he's in Massachusetts. So we were on the way elsewhere. But dad's been super cautious, which I totally respect because of COVID. And he's he's getting up there. So before we came up here, we all tested we waited for our test results with not doing anything, got up here and haven't done anything besides see my dad. We're not doing our usually visiting of other family and friends because I want to see my dad. It's been too long. So it's been yeah. great. It's been really good to yeah. spend time with him. Yeah. Well, it was ha- I was very happy to see him, even if it was just, you know, over over the, the podcast yeah. and not in person. But one day, one day again, I hope. Um, yep. So this, if you have some time off, this might be a good time to catch up on some back episodes of No Crying in Baseball and be sure to tell family and friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball, please find us on social media. Absolutely. I've been super having fun this past week. A bunch of people have found us on social media. So talk to us at NCIB Podcast uh, at Twitter, um, No Crying in B-Ball for Facebook and Instagram. Lines are long to get tested, but they're not so long to get boosted. So if you haven't gotten boosted yet, please do that as soon as you possibly can. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Like there's so many more stories that I just don't know. Like a lot of like I didn't know my dad played for a church league. That was hysterical. And that he yep. went to high school with whoever that guy is that I'm gonna have to look up now. And